Happy Monday, everybody, and uh, welcome to the Endorsed Podcast. I uh, really enjoy putting on this podcast for you guys and uh, really hope that you enjoy it too. And with that being said, go and leave us a review if you haven't done so, or even if you have, uh, leave another one, update the one you have, tell me about your favorite episodes, um, as well as do me a huge favor and screenshot this episode, tag me, tag our guests today, tell us that you're listening Um, I just, I love to hear that. I love to hear where you're from, how you got into this, how you got into listening to it. You can shoot me a DM um, if you want to tell me about uh, how you get into it. Like, it's a confidence booster, yes, Um, as well as it just lets me know and reminds me that you guys are listening. And um, I've always said, as long as I have one recurring listener, uh, I'll keep putting this on, but sometimes I just need that little confirmation of y'all are out there, you're listening, you're loving these episodes. If you have suggestions for guests or uh, topics that you want me to talk about, uh, please do leave those um, in my messages or in the comments. Uh, Wherever you listen, let me know you're listening. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, As well as I just wanted to also put a shout out for my business. If you guys are needing any website or design work um, or you know somebody who's looking for a logo or autograph sheets, um, tag them in a post or comment or send them my way, shoot them a DM, tell them about me, direct them to my website or direct them uh, to my Instagram. Uh, You can pretty much reach out to me so many different ways. Um, you can also email the endorsed podcast at gmail.com um, to reach out to me. So there's just there's so many ways for you guys to reach out. And I want to open that door and say, hey, I'm here. I love getting to talk to you. Uh, plus, you know, sometimes you just get a little lonely here uh, in Billings. And I and I love to talk to people from all over the place and hear where you're at, how you're doing. So um Let's talk soon, okay? All right. Well, today's episode is uh, one I was so grateful that I got to record as well as uh, just really excited for you guys to hear it. Um, Today's guest is Matt Merritt, and he is an entertainer, um, and he's been in the business for quite a while, has got a lot of great recommendations, advice. Um, And we just had good conversation. And I love getting to talk with other people about uh, the rodeo industry as a whole and uh, seeing their different background of obviously where he's came from and what he's doing now for the industry. Uh, And he has a podcast that you can also go check out, but not until you finish this one. (laughs) So um, you can go and check out his Uh, We mention it at the end of this podcast, so you'll just have to hang around for that. And um, yeah, we will hop into today's episode. Thanks, guys. And I hope you guys have a wonderful week. She's got a heart of a fighter and she's falling for you. Head over heels for a broke down fool. Punch struck a love struck in black and blue. She's got a heart of a fighter and she's falling for you. Got a heart of a fighter and she's falling for. Hey, it's Kenzie and you're listening to Endorsed, the podcast 
series where we meet various professional and rodeo industry guests who will talk us through topics like social media, personal branding, how to grab the attention of sponsors, and so much more. So get ready for today's episode. Hey, everybody. I am here and so excited for today's guest. I have Matt Merritt on the line. He's currently in South Point um, or at South Point in Vegas. Um, Really excited to have kind of nailed down a little spot before he heads off to Australia here in just a little bit. Um, But for those of you who don't know, which is probably not many of you, um, Matt is a rodeo entertainer, mainly for the PBR. and one of my favorites, actually. So I'm awesome. really excited to have you on. That's awesome. Thank you for saying that. I, uh, of course. Yeah, I'm lucky to have this job. There's uh, there's not a lot of people to get to do what we do. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm blessed. I know people use that word too much, but I really am. Yeah. So um, I think just to kind of start this off a little bit more lighthearted, too, can you explain to me what's going on with the mustache? Yeah, so I've, uh, <laughs> I guess, were you just using the audio or the video of this? No, just the audio, but I mean, I can take a screenshot if you want. <laughs> I don't know if you really want to do that. So uh, I, I'm leaving. I left home uh, November 1st, I guess it was, and I won't go home till December 2nd. So that frees me up a little bit to uh, wear my facial hair the way that I want to, not the way that my wife wants me to. Uh, I've had like a really thin beard for a while. But in uh, in Australia, they they do something called Movember. It's like over here, we have no shave November. Well, they call a mustache a mo over there. So uh, I've always wanted to rock a, a really mean mustache. So I grew my whole beard pretty long. I did the Velocity Finals with it, and then I went and got a manicure. I got I had a person actually create and sculpt this beauty for me. So uh, I've got what I consider the perfect mustache right now. And uh, last night I went up to uh, Flint's suite. He gets a really nice room here, and they they go over some world finals meetings. So I'm sitting in there and it's Flint and Brandon Bates and Clint Atkins and all the announcers and Matt West. And like, no one could like every two minutes in conversation, they go, quit looking at me. I can't take you serious right now. <laughs> so my mustache ruined a meeting, which is part of the reason why I have it. Okay. You guys, it kind of reminds me of, I want to say like Mario or Luigi. That's why I asked <laughs> you if you had it for Halloween. Cause it would have no, really worked. It, it's uh, yeah it kind of does it's like a i think when the lady asked me what kind of mustache i wanted i said the side that makes me have to get my sideburns cut off to have it like it's a you know you know what i'm saying like yeah. not like uncle rico that's sort of what i was going for <laughs> that's <laughs> i love it uh okay sorry we'll move on from that i i just figured we had to bring it up at some point no yeah i mean it's um it's the filter for the microphone I'm using now. That's what this mustache is for. <laughs> Dual purpose. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, um, now I've got myself so sidetracked. Uh, we will jump into, I, I really wanted to have you on because number one, you are an entertainer, which I, I haven't had. I don't think I've had a, an entertainer on here yet. Um, which I love getting their perspective. Um, you know, working in the PBR, you have a little bit different look on things too, as well. Um, and you also run a podcast, um, which is kind of one of the reasons why it gave me the idea. Cause I, I happened to be listening to it the other day and I was like, Oh, this would be fun to have somebody else on here who 
kind of understands what we're doing with the podcasting and uh, and bring you on, get your aspect and or your your outlook on things. Um, and you're normally interviewing people, so let's interview you. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> All right, so um, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about where you're from how you grew up, how did you get into this sport and uh, what did that kind of look like? Cause you're from back East, right? Uh, no, I live in North Carolina, but uh, okay. I, see some, I, I grew up in Louisiana and some people call that back East. Uh, I guess if you're from Sacramento, Louisiana is from, it's very East, but right. uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it is on the Western side of the Mississippi river. Um, and uh, I grew up there and rodeo was pretty normal where I grew up. I grew up in a, a little, a couple of little towns. We moved a lot, but uh, by the time I'm old enough to sort of make my own decisions, I'm living in Heflin, Louisiana, which is where like Heath and Cody DeMoss live now. Heath actually married a girl that I went to school with, Hallie, and her dad, Joe Lynn, had a rodeo arena there, and I lived like a mile from it. So I would go there and I would hang out with the people, and they rode steers and all that. And uh, I, I never wanted I, – I got on one steer, but I never wanted to do it. I never bought equipment. It was scary. I kind of tried to fight bulls a little bit, like a very little bit. And it didn't, they say it's supposed to slow down at some point, which I'm 37. And if they're 30 feet from me, it's still coming at me super fast. So um, I don't, uh, I, I never really wanted to be a contestant. And then my mom is dating this guy who was an announcer. Um, and I'm like, hey, uh, my parents had divorced when I was little. Hey, yeah. Uh, I went with him to Missouri, I think, and I went to a couple rodeos and I was watching the clown. I was like, that's pretty cool. Um, which in the nineties, um, it, it was a little different than it is now, you know, and, uh, they were just kind of getting to where everybody had microphones and it was, seemed cool. And I asked him how much the guy made and it, I don't remember what he told me, but I thought that's more than my teachers make. I, that's pretty cool. Uh, I'd like to do that. And uh, I was always like really quick to be on stage in school and um, stuff like that. I never was afraid to be in public speaking or anything. So I jumped into it and uh, man, honestly, it took off. I mean, I, I really, I, so I did my first rodeo in Harrisburg, Arkansas that I got paid for, for real. And um, I literally maybe did six or eight shows that year and then 12, 16 and then 30. And then, I mean, then you're booked the whole year and it really took off because nobody does this. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. And then, you know, there's been lots of milestones along the way and lots of people that helped me, but, uh, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty wild decision to make as a 17 year old kid to go be a rodeo clown and not have any <laughs> background in the sport. So, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of proud of the fact that I just got out on a limb because, uh, it was really scary at times too. You know, it amazes me how many people that I've talked to. And I mean, I, you know, I'm still, I would say fairly new to podcasting and um, you would be, I think, episode 26. And, uh, but how many people that I've talked to that are in the rodeo industry? And I mean, like people that are very well known in it, that they didn't grow up near it or they didn't have a background in it. Like their family didn't do it. And it's so cool to me to see like where people are coming from. And I think that's why I just ask the question all the time. Cause it's like, I want to know how you, how you found it and discovered it. Because I think people probably assume that, Oh, you know, they grew up rodeoing. They just made it a part of their career now. And, and that wasn't your story either. 
No, uh, but a lot of people, I think a lot of people hang on to that too much. Like, um, I, I, I'll be a little bold here and say that I think people in our sport are, are a little bit, um, a little bit hard to get along with. Like they, they think that if you didn't grow up on some ranch or you didn't, you're not from the right family or you're not from the right place then you're not good. Like, like a person from, let's say you're in Colorado, uh, a, a guy that lives on a ranch from Colorado. If, if a dude shows up from New Jersey, um, and he goes, Hey man, I'm looking for a job as a cowboy. You're going to immediately, just because he said, New Jersey hate on it, <laughs> but that's not necessarily always the truth. You know, like, uh, there, there can be people from anywhere that can take this on. And, and I, I don't know. I, I think we need to be a little bit less judge, judgmental in our game because um, we need to grow and we can't grow if we keep uh, being small-minded. And, and I'm not attacking anyone, but I am saying we need to, we need to open our eyes a little bit. If we want to have growth, we got to, uh, we got to get some more land. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I totally, no, I totally agree. And that's where I, I love, uh, you know, it, this topic has somewhat come up in a few other podcasts, but you know, it's always so important. You guys have like, it, it's, we have to grow our fan base and not just our fan base, but also I think our participants too. And so, you know, when you see that new guy out there and struggling and, you know, your first thought is to make a joke or something, you know, maybe go help them out and lend a hand. Yeah. Let's mm-hmm. build more uh, rodeo athletes and grow more on those. Yeah, there's a lot of guys out there that uh, – I'll, I'll tell you a story. I don't know if you remember Zach Brown. Uh, he he made the PBR finals. I think he was maybe a rookie of the year. But uh, that guy, zero background in our sport. Uh, he was like a spear fisherman or something. And, like, he, he was like an extreme sports guy. And, like, he would show up at the first events that everybody would see him at. And he had this hat that was like, it wasn't even a cowboy hat. It was like this gardening. It was like a vinyl hat. And he just, he'd wad it up in a ball and keep it in his bag. And then he'd get it out and he'd punch the center of it out and throw it on his head. He had a pair of like khaki looking pants with cargo pockets on them and these lace up boots with a little bit of a heel. But you make fun of him all you want because when he nodded his head, he would spur one down, like just an athlete, you know? And then he goes on to the PBR and even the guys in the PBR picked on Zach because he wasn't like them and all that. But, uh, you know, like what, what if that guy is from some other subculture in the spearfishing community or whatever? (laughs) And, and because they like him now, all of a sudden we get this new sponsor that makes boats or scuba gear, or we get, we see growth in some way, maybe ticket sales because, you know, that whole new subculture likes our sport now. So I think sometimes we need to open our eyes and realize that we can, we can all grow from having anybody new in and we need to need to just be a little bit more experimental. Oh, no, I love that you say that too. And, and to like, think about it from the other aspect of like sponsors and stuff that, I mean, that itself is something, you know, we're always looking to, to build our sponsorship base and, um, and think outside the box and, you know, if they had somebody that they had been following forever and now they're, um, they're jumping into that, you know, or jumping into bull riding or whatever that may be in the rodeo industry, like that's totally a great new outlet to reach and, and see if you can grab that market. Yeah. It's probably easier for me to say, cause I'm around so much bull riding and I guess right. my whole, my whole Zach Brown scenario doesn't work in the tie down roping because, you know, you can't just show up and, 
uh, <laughs> it takes it takes years of preparation yeah. and training a horse and and you know a, a legitimate investment financially. So obviously, I'm not being an idiot and saying that we can just let you know, any old <laughs> Joe Blow show up and do this. But man, it sure be nice if uh, we could grow because the whole world could. I'll go off on a tangent. Stop me if you need to. No, <laughs> but, go for like, it. The biggest problem with our sport is, is the, the, the reason I think we don't see growth. It's because people can't understand it. Like there's a billion golf clubs that'll be sold today at every sport academy sports and all these places because people know what it feels like to go out and golf. You're right. going to sell bass fishing equipment because people can watch it on TV and feel like, man, I've caught a fish that big. I could do what they, they do. Everybody played high school football, so you're going to have football fans. Everybody can understand NASCAR because they drive a car every day. But no one can understand what we do because not very many people from a worldview have tried it. So, therefore, they look at it like a novelty. So, until we bring it into their homes, until we get some, some, um, some ways to get into some school systems and maybe to teach, you know, to, to have it as an equivalent sport, just like baseball, football, wrestling, basketball, uh, until people can get their hands on it and, and actually understand it a little bit more, we're not going to grow as much as we need to. Right. And then we can't, we can't just keep acting like we're the only ones cool enough to do it. We need to invite everybody else over to play. No, I, I totally agree. That's, and that's why I'd love to see this sport grow. And actually that's why I love one thing about the PBR is, is it's created more of an entertainment value um, to the sport and they're treating the athletes more so like other sports treat their athletes. And, it, and I think some people have looked at that and they're like, Oh, that's just getting to be too much. But at the same time, like sometimes, you know, or everybody has to adapt to new markets, like in business and, you know, in, in there's always these changes because, you know, different generations have different outlooks on things. And, uh, you know, the, mo the millennials are probably some of the biggest generation right now. And, you know, they're big on looking for that entertainment value that, um, something that, you know, what's it, what's it going to do for me? And, and I think the PBR has done such a great job of giving them that entertainment value and giving them that show that they're looking for. And it's, you know, well, if you want to create a fan base, you you got to start giving them something that they want to watch. Well, I think, too, the, the PBR competes against itself um, right. in a way because they have an event every weekend. And then they have all these employees that are going around to sell tickets and and they're measuring up well, Green Bay, Wisconsin versus Tucson, Arizona. Our ticket sales are down. What do we need right. to do to make this better? Uh, last week. We did a show and see like for, for everybody that might not know, like we do a conference call every Tuesday simply to go over what happened last week on each tour and what are we going to do this week to make it better. So like I might, I might have had to do a deal for Pendleton whiskey, like an activation, something fun um, that I'm contractually obligated to do during the event. And then uh, it didn't go as good as we had wanted. So we go back on Tuesdays and we go, Matt, you should have done this a little different. Maybe if we would have played this song and, you would have done it this way or anyway, I know hopefully that doesn't confuse anybody that's listening, but uh, we work really hard week to week. We're in rodeo. It's a, and I do a lot of rodeos. Like I got Salinas next year. I've done NAMP for the last few mm -hmm. years. I, I do some good rodeos too, but 
but I noticed the hard part about rodeo is, is you're asking a team of professionals who are all awesome and committee volunteers to show up and do one time. Like you, right. get, you get a week to do Salinas, right? And they work hard all year to prepare for it. But as far as entertainment value goes, they don't have last week to go off of. They have last year. So uh, when they when you see a good rodeo, you got to understand what kind of team you've had there to create that entertainment value, because that means they've really pulled something off in my book. Because and the, the PBR the PBR has the privilege of being able to measure up against itself, where rodeo they get one shot at it a year. So uh, I, I don't know. I commend a good rodeo that's fun to watch. There's a lot of them out there, but uh, yeah, we can always try to be better. Always. Yeah. Yeah. No. And like you're saying, you know, the, the PBRs definitely got a lot more stake in all of its different, um, or, or I don't know if stake is, is the word for it, but, um, more control over, you know, the type of entertainment, the type of, um, the announcers and the music and right. And on all of that. And where, like you said, each rodeo is run by a different committee and yes, maybe we're under the PRCA umbrella, but PRCA doesn't have those maybe strict, uh, entertainment standards. I yeah. Well, say. they, ha- I mean, they have them as far as who gets your card, right. you know, like, like there's all these qualifications you got to do to become a member, but then you have the committee themselves get to decide. And like, there's announcers that I know are great. Um, and that, but that doesn't mean that me and that I mean, we might be great friends, but that doesn't mean we work together well. You know what I mean? Like, just because, like, right. two, two people can be great singers, but maybe they don't sound so great singing the same song at the same time. So uh, it's all about the team and the right people. And the unfortunate thing about rodeo is, is it only happens once a year, so you, you don't have but one chance to get it right until next year. Yeah, no, no, exactly. And that, and that's something that I think that that's why I would say rodeo is a, maybe a step behind on that aspect of, of, um, you know, bringing in the bigger crowds and, and getting people like, yes, you know, like you were saying, Salinas, they're always going to get the crowd that is from that region. You know, they look forward to it every year, but they may not get as many people traveling as like PBR, like the marketing and stuff that PBR does is just like, well, I mean, I mean, it's almost a whole other level. It's just almost two different animals because the, I mean, the PBR is a company owned by uh, Endeavor and, and we have, you know, like a, like, like a tree of own of leadership that trickles down to departments. And I mean, it's, it's a company where the PRCA is an association and it's a committee and a volunteer driven deal at the end of the day um, with a set of rules and a governing body over here. So it's really kind of hard to compare. Uh, unfortunately it's compared quite often. Um, yeah. But I, I don't really even know. I don't really know the antidote for it all. I just know that I think for Western sports to grow though, we, we just have to make sure that we're making the right decisions and, and about who about making it readily available to people. And I think that we also need to be very mindful of our attitudes and, and the way that we present ourselves at all times, because there are a lot of people that want us to be ended just because they are uneducated about what we even do. Right. 
and there are strong boys and nobody wants to recognize that, but they are. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, and like you said, and they've got very strong opinions on things and their marketing tactics are pretty good actually. And you know, they're you better hate than pretty good. They're, uh, they can yeah. get a million dollars by playing one commercial with a sick puppy on it. <laughs> exactly. And a Sarah McLaughlin song. Yeah. <laughs> um, For real. Yeah. But, and, and that's a, and they're, they're in the school systems and they're in those places that none of us like to admit, but that's why I, um, I've said it on our podcast before, you know, same thing. You've got to, you've got in order to combat that, like the best way to combat those is, you know, you're probably not going to change their mind. No. But like educating the rest of the public and creating more fans and, um, you know, interacting with the public, despite how your run went, despite how your ride went, like, you know, creating that fan base and, and stuff and educating people. And like, I always like to sit when I sit in the stands, if there's somebody around me, that's like asking dumb questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Saying dumb things. Like I had one friend, I was sitting at a college radio once and, and I mean, this is, this was in Fort Collins, Colorado. So and they've struggled. Like they're one of those college radios that struggles with the fan base because um, they have very, very different minded people that go and watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was some people sitting behind me and I was with a, a friend and, um, and her friend <laughs> and her friend was getting kind of irritated because she was like, these people behind us know jack shit about what they're talking about and they're just oh they're driving me crazy and and I started kind of listening in on their conversations and like one of them was like trying to kind of explain things and I think this is how they do it and I think this is how they do it and it was and I finally just turned around and I was like yeah and explained like what was going on and they're like oh that makes so much more sense and I was like yeah and then I explained it more and they they were like oh that's really cool and then you created a fan right there. And so that was, that was something like I try to do that, at least explain it while you're there. If you have that ability, instead of sit there and, you know, get irritated. Yeah. Or... I think too, like with our sport, it's a, it's a weird deal because a lot of the people that think that they're a big part of our sport are actually part of the problem. And uh, I think I'll explain myself. Rodeo doesn't really have a set of, uh, it doesn't really have a fence around it. So, right. So Western sports, I can, I can be, I can go right now and I can be an 18 year old kid that nobody knows. And I can go get a PBR permit. I can go get a PRCA permit. I can go get an IPRA card. I can go whatever. Right. And, and then I can go to any event and then I can put all these stickers on the back of my truck and say, I'm a bull rider and I can go to tractor supply and get me a watered up cowboy hat. And then I can go afterwards to the Waffle House or to the Denny's or whatever after I got on my bull and rode him two jumps or whatever. And I can be a loudmouth idiot in that Denny's and tell everybody how much I know about rodeo and how, yeah, they put the flank rope on them and they tie it real tight around. And I don't, they're really, there are people like that that don't even know and they're mm-hmm. actually uh, able to compete. And they're actually showing up at events occasionally, maybe mid-level events or lower-level events, whatever. But our our, our sport um, has a clearly defined upper level as far as, like, you get to qualify for the NFR or the PBRs, top-tier guys. But then there's, like, this big, vast place where there's 
people that have cowboy hats on telling other people all about rodeo and half the time they're uneducated. They don't know how to speak in public and they don't treat themselves professionally. How do you expect us to be taken professionally? We need to, we need to start acting like professionals at all levels and we need to start demanding that of others. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. It's, it's one of those things too, that it's hard because you know, how do you, you know, if you can't really control something like that right now, or, or maybe there is a way, but we haven't figured it out yet. Um, you know, as much as you can, it, it, I think where, where I would say is it starts with one, like it starts with like whoever's listening, you know, it's on you to help educate the rest is how I would put it. Like it's, it's on you to help, help your friends out and help, um, you know, help your other athletes out there. If you want to see this, this sport continue to thrive and, and do well and grow, um, you know, then when your buddies are, are getting, I don't know, or, you know, they're well, like, like one, of the, one of the, yeah. <laughs> well, like I do a tour every, uh, before every show we do one at our velocity deal. It's a ticket that you can buy. So I'm the host of the tour. And one thing I've started doing, we did it a year ago is we take the flank rope and these are people that wanted to come to our event and they're okay with being there and they have no problem. They're not like activists or anything. And, and there's always a certain percentage of people in these tours that think that we wrap the flank rope around their man parts. So I'll take the flank rope and I'll say, no, first of all, this is a flank rope. This is what it does for bull riding. And no, we don't. And then, and I'm going to explain mm-hmm. it on here. So maybe somebody listening in our sport gets asked this question and maybe the way I explain it, it's a good thing for them to share. Yes. So I always say, look, the flank rope, doesn't make a bull buck. I don't care if it's a deer or a horse or a goat or a bull, a four-legged animal with hooves has the natural gait of bucking. They have trot, walk, canter, bucking. Bucking's normal. If you go out in a field in the morning, you see a deer, sun's coming up, that deer will buck and play. It's normal for them to do. So bulls buck. If you put people on the back, they de- on their back, they definitely buck. So <laughs> But if you don't put a flank rope on them, they're going to buck like like you let the air out of a balloon. They scatter and twist. And they're actually so strong, they can turn their front end of their body one direction and the rear end of their body the other and hurt their own backs and pull their pelvises apart from their spinal column. I mean, they're that powerful. So what we use a flank rope for is we put it on there tight enough where it won't come off, but loose enough where it feels like it will. So now when that animal is bucking, which he's going to do anyway, he's going to reach his feet under his belly and then extend them out, trying to get that rope to leave while he's bucking. So he's trying to kick that rope off. Again, the rope does not make him buck. Never tell people that the rope makes them buck because it's stupid and it's not true. The rope does make them buck correctly. So think of it like a weightlifting belt. If you want to squat a bunch of weight, you need this belt on to help you do that properly to keep yourself safe. It's exactly what we use a flank rope for. We don't use it to force them to do anything because a lot of people, even in our business say, Oh, this is a rope we use to make them buck, which isn't even true. So we need to educate our own people before we can try to educate other people. And uh, it's little things like that that are going to create growth. And, and you know, if these animal rights people and all these negative people, I think they have the fundamental right to, not want to see animals used for food or entertainment. And as long as they adhere to their own rules, I'm fine with that. But, but I can't stand a hypocrite. So don't walk up to me wearing leather shoes and 
uh, a tube chapstick in your pocket trying to tell me how animals don't deserve to be doing what we have them doing. And you don't know how much these people love these animals and how much care goes into having them and how good their lives really are versus your shoes and what went in your chapstick. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and it's, it's so, you're not going to be able to argue with those people that, that have those mindsets. And, And that's something that I had to um, really even train myself because, you know, I'd read something on social media and it would just, for lack of better terms, piss me off, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you'd sit there and you'd be like, how can you be so stupid? But the thing is, is what I had to do is I had to start going, they just don't know. They don't understand. They were never taught. They, they we are so far away from our agricultural roots, you know, and, and that's hard for somebody like you or me, where we grew up, you know, maybe a, around uh, the ag industry and, you know, our, our neighbors had cows mm-hmm. or our, you know, where even if we weren't in it, we still knew about it and we still had somewhat of an understanding of it where there's people that haven't left their four block radius in, in cities before, you know, like the, they've just, they've lived there their entire life. And so when you, start looking at it that way and say they don't know, then it you're less mad about it. <laughs> but also you can start going, okay, so how can we at least start educating the people that are here that are willing to know, you know, that are coming to these shows. And I love um, like a lot of rodeos now, like I know National Western does it. They do like a behind the shoots, um, yeah. like educational seminars. And I think that that's something that that needs to grow and that needs to happen more so because people are curious and I think they want to be fans, like genuinely want to be fans. But because of these other groups that are so extreme in their beliefs, they question things because they've been told false things, you know, about yeah. it. And so it's yeah, our yeah. job. It's on us. And they, and they come they come with a predetermined notion of what's happening, right? They yeah. already think well, this is what they use a flank rope for. And then they're going to use spurs. Like, and we don't use spurs to, in bull riding to make, like you would, you would spur a horse to make him go faster. That's not what spurs are for in bull riding. They're for hanging on to his hide, which is seven times thicker than a human's. And you can rub the spur up and down your arm or bare human's arm and it doesn't cut meat. If you do cut the bull, you get fine. It's like little things like that, that they don't even think about. But I mean, it kind of going back to my thing about people acting stupid in Denny's, like, that's enough. Like those things, we need to be able to present ourselves in a professional way. You don't need to be a drunk idiot running around acting like the, the biggest moron on the planet, uh, popping a bunch of Adderall and drinking like it. You know, like that doesn't make you cool. That doesn't help our sport in any way. Why don't you be a professional? Like how how would can how would you feel if you love the let's say the New York Yankees? And then you go out to a bar in New York one night and there's Alex Rodriguez drunk carrying his baseball bat around with him, telling everybody how cool he is and being the biggest idiot in the room. You know, you would lose a lot of respect for that guy and maybe for that entire team and then maybe for the entire sport. Our people forget about that and people act stupid and they have no composure half the time. And just because you're a cowboy doesn't mean you got to hoop and holler all the time and tear up stuff. No. And, you know, and I think about it, it, it got me thinking, maybe we need to kind of get on that trend of um, like high schools are doing it or college is, are doing it. I'm not sure if NBA or, um, you know, uh, NFL and I don't know if they do it, but 
uh, where you see those videos of athletes walking in now and, and they're required to wear suit and ties or um, at least be dressed in a button up and slacks or something like that. And they don't, they're not allowed to show up anymore in those slacks or, or in slacks and sweatpants and, yeah. and t-shirts like and hoodies, like they're now required in, in a lot of places to show up to game day, you know, ready in a suit. And if you want and, respect, go get it. Right. Right. Exactly. Because, you know, they, they have the potential of having some fallback too, if they show up looking, you know, like, like they don't care or show up looking like they just rolled out of bed. Like that doesn't look good on their organization. So if you think about it, you know, and, and rodeo may not be that, uh, organized enough to have that ability to do it, <laughs> but yeah. same, same kind of thing. If, you know, if you're going out, like be professional, you're, you're a professional athlete, treat yourself like a professional athlete. Plus binge drinking every night after the rodeo cannot be good for your health. <laughs> yeah. Just take, take yourself seriously or other people aren't, I guess is what I'm saying. And I'm not being judgmental or like, I'm, I'm just telling you, if, if you look at our sport from the outside lens, yeah. We want to grow. And if you want more money added at these events, and if you want to have more sponsors knocking on your door, then you got to act, you got to act a certain way. I mean, you you can't expect to walk into some business and say, Hey, I'm here for the CEO job. What <laughs> qualifications do you have? Uh, none. Like you, you really have to, there's parameters you got to meet if you want things to get better. And that's just all it is to it. Yeah. Well, I love that topic as much as I do, but I'd love to talk more about you too and your experience. Um, how have, you know, we were talking a little bit there about sponsors. Um, I know you have sponsors that sponsor you. How have those relationships, um, popped up? How, how did you develop those relationships? What are those important things with your sponsors that you believe, um, are, are essential for somebody out there who's maybe looking to get sponsors or going to be sponsored here in the future? Maybe they have a few, um, you know, how, how do you see those relationships? Well, when I first got my first couple sponsors, it was, um, man, I was so happy to have somebody's name on my shirt. I remember thinking, Ooh, I look pro now. I look like the real deal. And, uh, right. and I was, I was kind of selling my soul to get it. You know, then I was doing like, Oh, you give me one free hat. All right. I'll, I'll be, I'll put your name on my Jersey and I'll be sponsored by this hat company. And then it was like, well, and I wasn't getting any money for it. And I couldn't get those guys to answer the phone half the time. The guy wouldn't mail me anything. I just didn't have any relationship. I'm glad you said the word relationship. I didn't. They just were, they just got some advertising out of me. And I thought I was going to get a hat out of them and vice versa. It went on like that for a few different sponsors. And then like, um, I get a little product from a couple others and then it bounced around and did some stuff. Well, then finally I realized I'm not doing that anymore. I guess maybe it's like, uh, waiting on a trying to meet a girl at church instead of at the bar kind of thing. Uh, you decide to go about doing it the right way for the right reasons. And I, I started meeting up with sponsors that really took care of me. And, and actually well, I would tell them, Hey, I, I want a relationship with you. I've had some, some things in the past where I couldn't get people on the phone. And, you know, if, if we need a partnership because I feel like I can help your brand, but you got to help me help you. You got to give me right. some things to give people. You got to give me, uh, like I do Olathe boots is one of mine and they give me a pair of boots a month so that I can give them away. 
and I might give one pair away to a kid that I meet that's sick, or I might give away a pair to somebody on a social media giveaway, but that's an awesome relationship. And yeah. I can, I can actually do some good with that. Um, Joey, uh, he, he, he runs Huey. So Huey's been really good to me and it doesn't matter what I need. If I ask them for something, if I, I want to give a kid a backpack or whatever, I, I just call them up and they mail it. And, um, and it's so nice to be able to do that. But the trick to the relationships is just being real. And, um, again, you can't act like an idiot all the time either. And, expect that stuff not to come back on you You have to carry yourself professionally if you want to have professional relationships so i try to do that at all times um you know i got wranglers one that that's uh, been good to me and it's so cool to be part of these iconic brands but then you gotta also be open-minded that like like on my podcast when i have a guy come on that might be like anthony lucia for example he's a cinch guy Mm -hmm. um Hey, I will sing Cinch's praises right alongside Anthony on my own podcast. Right. Uh, I'm a, I'm a Wrangler and Dorsey, but at the big picture is is you don't get into arguments, you don't act like a weirdo, and you don't freak out. You think about Western sports as a whole and how big of a family we can be if we'll help each other maintain our relationships with their companies too. And those companies, at the end of the day, are all going to be happy, and they're all going to keep helping us grow our sport and our way of making a living. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's, and that's something I think too, you know, for, for growing sponsors in the future. And um, I I think one thing that I've told a lot of athletes, especially these younger athletes or college athletes out there um, who may not be looking at getting a Wrangler or a cinch or area, you know, um, endorsement as of right now you know even with your smaller sponsors and stuff the way you treat them is going to be how they interact with sponsors in the future with athletes in the future like I have friends that have um it they've uh tried sponsoring before and they had a bad experience because their athletes just didn't live up to expectation. They didn't communicate with them. They kind of took their stuff and ran with it. And, uh, and it gave them like a bad taste in their mouth, I think for sponsorships. And I think if we want to grow that, you know, how you guys interact with your sponsors is, is so important. And I like what you said of, you know, even with, you know, Anthony Lucia coming on and he's a cinch guy and you're Wrangler. And I think the Western industry is a little different because we do all kind of support each other. And, and there's things that you can get with Wrangler that you can't with cinch or vice versa. And, and like, for me, I have always struggled, um, because, uh, like I love my cinch jeans, but there's sometimes where like, I really like my cop stretch jeans and I really like my Wrangler jeans. And so I know that like there's people out there that have like a variety of preferences and stuff. And, but those brands that you go in and you support what they, what they do and you support them, um, well, they're going to back you no matter what type of a thing. And yes, you know, you're going to have to be loyal to them in a sense, but that doesn't mean you have to smash talk the other ones or, um, I always say don't, yeah. <laughs> I, I always try not to shove it down people's throats with my sponsorships either. Like, yeah, it's a, it's like a, a weird thing. Like, so some of my sponsors, I take them as a family deal. Cause my children, junior rodeo, 
and like like Vitalix, they make those blue tubs with minerals in them for for animals. And so we give them to our horses, and so they're kind of more my junior rodeo, my kids' horses sponsored. They're you right. know I, I'm I'm endorsed by them, but it's a part of the package that my kids wear their patches. Sometimes you look at these kids at these junior rodeos, and they're all doing the same thing, and they're wearing patches. So it's sort of if you really look at that from a big picture, I'm not I'm not fully against it. You have to hear me out, but like my own kids have sponsorship stickers on them because of where I am in the sport. They actually do have a little bit of sponsorship, but the, you see all these kids with these, these stickers and then you go to social media and you see all this stuff getting tagged and, and pushed down people's throats constantly. Well, then it makes everybody else just scroll right past. So you're not really getting any, you're not really getting any bang for your buck just because Joe Bob is putting it on the internet all the time. You got, you got, I mean, you honestly, I can't even, I don't even have the answer for myself. I have to think of ways all the time to be more creative and getting my sponsors names out there and letting the sponsors know that I am out here working because it is super easy to just, I mean, you'd probably know more about this than I do, but it's, it's a hard game to play real hard. So. <laughs> yeah, no. And that's, <clears throat> that was something that I that I was trying with um, or the, the, trying to explain with a lot of my own sponsored athletes is you have to authentically sell that product. And so first of all, like when you're getting into sponsorships and stuff, if you can't authentically sell it, like if you don't believe in the product, like you shouldn't be one of their endorsees. You know, you have to be able to, it, you just have to be able to believe in in whatever product you're selling because like you said you know if if you're just out there and you're like this is my sponsor and they gave me this and thank you all the time like with 80 million sponsors that you have roped into things and I know people that are like this um I know people really well that are like this and it's hard to explain to them like I scroll past all of your stuff all the time because all it is is just sponsor 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 and like that's not doing the job that it's supposed to like you're saying you know like that's not giving them if you're constantly wanting to scroll by it however you know if you created something that was a post and let's say you're sponsored by a cinch jeans or something and you're wearing your cinch jeans and uh you've got a cinch hat on and maybe a cinch shirt like that's enough branding in itself that Mm -hmm. you don't need to say by the way, this is sponsored by Cinch or uh, thank you to, or I guess you can always thank your sponsors, but like you don't need to make that the headline of it. Like caption it how you normally would do or, you know, talk something about how you've been working a lot lately and regulate how much you do it. That's what I try to do. And like, it's a, it's tough though, because it it, it honestly is, you got all these people you need to mention and you appreciate. and, And I mean, I, I couldn't, I can pay my bills sometimes without these sponsors. I'm serious. I mean, yeah. plane tickets are a lot. They cost a lot. I spent like 30000 last year on Delta. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy. So I, you I need have some a help. mileage card? You should get a mileage card. I do. I have one. Um, <laughs> okay. And I get upgraded quite often, so I'm not complaining too much. I'm just <laughs> saying sponsors make the wheels go round, and I get paid to be there. So for uh, a contestant, I'm sure you're hungry and, and you want, you know, you're, you're trying to get that big break and to, to ride or, or make a good run at the right time and crack over in there. And then you need those sponsors really to pay your way, way more than even I do. But hey, you, you got to still have some couth about you because it's a tough, tough game to play. 
and I'm not the best at it. I actually hired a guy to help me run my social media two months ago. So he's helping me a lot. And, uh, I mean, that that's another thing. Invest in yourself, right? Yeah. I've, I believe in myself enough that I'm, I'm paying a guy monthly to help me run all this because <clears throat> I don't have very good internet in my house <laughs> and I don't really know what I'm doing that much either. But I, I try to study it and learn it because it's a business. Well, and for you too, you have a following that, you know, I think you have like 15,000 or something on your Facebook. I was noticing earlier, but I don't even know what your Instagram's at, but you have a following that's large enough that you're kind of obligated to serve those people, you know, especially in your position as an entertainer, you know, you're, you're almost obligated to give them entertaining content to help because as an entertainer, you know, you get paid kind of based off of, I'm assuming you probably have like a written contract, but really the amount of money that they can pay you is essentially built off of butts and seats is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, you know, if, if that's how you're paid and if you ever wanted to get paid more or some, you know, even, even as an athlete, butts and seats matter because that's the amount of payout that they're going to have for you maybe going into the next year. And so the more you can do to promote that. And even if, you know, if I guess from an athlete's perspective, like if you're heading to a rodeo, like, and you have a pretty consistent following, like, you know, help promote that rodeo and tag that committee or tag that rodeo. And a lot of them have social media, like utilize your following because the more people that have butts and seats, like the more potential for more money and stuff to be invested into those in the future years. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, it absolutely a thousand percent comes down to spectators. It is a spectator driven thing because sponsors don't want to play ball unless they're spectators. If you ever think that the American could go into Dallas Cowboys stadium and have it presented by one sponsor to pay all that money. And I know there's other dynamics with entry fees being paid for qualifying and all that, that help go into that big money to the pot of that thing. But there's many events like it, the WCRA events. So, I mean, they right. I could go on and on. But at the end of the day, we can't get butts in seats. There are nothing. We have nothing. We have zero. And and and, it, and there's a lot of different little facets that go into how you can um, do your part to shine the right light on our sport to get butts in the seats. It's how you act at Denny's afterwards. <laughs> it's the relationships that you show professionalism in with sponsorship. Uh, it's not a, it's contestants that don't care. Uh, that's another thing. Like, like think about the production value when you're at a show, cause I'm on the other side of it. When it's the national anthem ends and you're a team roper, don't wear your spurs and your sponsor shirt over the concession stand and be standing there eating nachos with the people that are watching. Because can you imagine going to a play and then one of the stars of the show during the break is just over there having a cigarette beside you? I mean, you would, you would lose, like we lose all luster in our sport and we just forget about the, the, the fans perspective, you know, like make yourself somebody. Um, and you can't do that by trying to get attention walking through the stands, um, with your chaps on. I see bull riders at the lower level events doing that all the time. And, and I know why they're doing it, man. I understand when I was a kid, I'd probably do anything to get attention to, but, um, it doesn't help you. And you, at the end of the day, if you want to be cool, go show them in the arena, how cool you are. And then all the rest will come. Right. 
Right. Well, and, and like you said, investing in yourself and stuff, like when you start, I know a lot of athletes out there that they're great athletes and, and they're doing really well, um, in their career and stuff, but I, and, and maybe it's cause they're humble or maybe it's cause they just don't care, but you know, they won't update their social media to, you know, to show that they're, <laughs> I guess to show what they're doing or they won't um, like invest in some autograph sheets every once in a while or something. Yeah. Uh, you I mean, know. There's so many things you can do to you get the autograph sheets and you just treat people with respect and be nice to people. And man, right. that, all that stuff. I, hey, go through, go to every rodeo that you go to and act like it's your house. And then every person you meet is coming through your door. Like you're a host. Like in I every, love that. Hey, what's up, man? My name's Matt. Good to meet you. I uh, hope you have fun today. If every person you meet, just treat them like they came to your house and you're hosting them to a party. Like if somebody walked in, you would go, hey, I got drinks over here on this counter. Um, there's some food over there in the crock pot. <laughs> Here's a couple <laughs> couches. Enjoy yourself. That's how you would treat people. And then I think if we did more of that, maybe people would be more comfortable around us and, 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 and a little bit less judgmental of us because that's what everybody does when they come to an event, it's no different than sitting down at a table in a restaurant. You have your first bite and you look at the person you're there with, you ask them how their food tastes. And then you're being judgmental of their menu right then. But same thing when they go to our events, it doesn't matter if it's a PBR or rodeo or whatever. They, they sit down and they start judging. Oh, look at, look at this guy and look at this person. And you know what I mean? So be mindful of the fact that people are always watching you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I love that. Um, (laughs) we could probably talk for hours on these topics too. Um, (laughs) but, uh, I guess when it comes down to it, Matt, like what are some of those things that you've seen, you know, your lasting advice to those rookie athletes, a lot of my listeners out there are more rookie athletes or, um, athletes that are still building their names or building their brands. Uh, what, what are those things that you've noticed? I mean, you meet so many different athletes and what, what is it about them that sets them apart from the rest? You know, aside from talent, you know, when you take talent out of the picture, what are those things that make them, you know, memorable to you or such a, somebody that you truly become a fan of um what are those qualities i think that you you see um i'll talk about bull riding because i know more bull riders um right so i know a lot of really really special bull riders i know them really well and they've all have a a different way about personality wise and attitude wise um I'm going to get to the thing that they all have in common, but they're all different in a lot of ways too. Like I did a podcast with Dalen Swearingen the yeah. other day. Dalen is humble, very humble, very, you can't shake him because like, uh, I think it's because uh, I mean, uh, I don't want to speak for him, but I think it's more of a spiritual thing with him. This guy's just got his head on straight. He's going down the right path in that aspect of life. And he's just laser focused and you can't, you can't break his happiness. He just, go yeah. along right i think no matter what happens to him he's going to be okay so that's that's a different kind of confidence that shines through him and it makes him be great jb mooney i've known jb since the first time he won 
he was 17 years old and he called me, he won 10 grand and he couldn't believe he won that much. Now he'd, he'd give me 10 grand just to shut up. Uh, <laughs> but um, he's got a whole different kind of confidence. Confidence is what I'm going back to. JB's confidence was almost a manufactured confidence. JB, uh, when he was 17, he rode bulls great. 18, he rode bulls great, but nobody really picked him to be potentially the greatest bull rider ever. He just forced it down their throats, just confidently believed in himself to the point where no matter what happened, he, he believed in himself and people would say bad things about him. People hated that guy for years. They love him now. They used to hate him. He'd throw his helmet and they'd write letters and, you know, everybody just couldn't stand him because he, he was a whiny baby or whatever and he got mad every time. But he believed in himself. He never changed who he was. Um, so there's two different ends of the spectrum, right? People that are confident for different reasons in different ways. Find your way to be confident. Don't try to be like somebody else. JB never tried to be like a Dalen because that's not JB's route. Dalen's never tried to be like a JB because that's not Dalen's route. So quit trying to be like other people. Quit trying to copy folks. Quit trying to do all that. Just calm down. Find who you are inside. Be true to that and don't let anybody shake that. Once you've got that figured out, then you're good to go. I don't care if it's bull riding or golf or cooking tacos. You're going to be fine. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's great advice. And I, I totally agree. I and mean, when it comes down to it, confidence is, is key in, in so many other <laughs> aspects of life. Um, that, that, that just makes sense to me, you know, coming from it. And I, and I love hearing stuff like that because I think some of the greatest athletes that we've seen, we we regard them great because they were great athletes, but I think we more so remember them because of their personalities. And like, mm-hmm. if anything, you guys just be yourself and be you. And like you said, don't, don't try to be somebody else. But at the same time, you know, if, if confidence is somewhere that you lack, you know, you're going to have to work to, to figure out how to, for lack of better words, fake it until you make it, you know? I think that's what, I think that's what JB did. I really do. I mean, who picks Bushwhacker over and over again? Right. (laughs) I mean, really, he's that, he's that kid that you all had on that, that you played football with and he would just keep, he would just keep arguing with you until finally he'd score a touchdown at the game. And (laughs) then he'd brag about his touchdown, right? Like you just keep going till you get it. But, but also be true to yourself because that might not be the way you need to go. Some people don't need to be that way. Some people, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably just talking to circles, but I think, I don't know. Being successful is something that you got to make happen. You can't just hope it happens. And uh, you have to be confident in yourself long enough for it to come to fruition. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and that's, everybody's going to have a different journey. And I think, that's one thing that's hard is because we look to other people for inspiration and we, and we listen to podcasts to see how others have done things. Um, like even for myself, you know, building my own business and stuff, I've just, you know, I listen to podcasts. I, I look at other businesses and see what they're they've done. And I, you know, I talk to my clients and see what they like and what they don't like and stuff like that. But when it all comes down to it, I can't do what these other businesses are doing already because 
that's their thing, you know, and I, I can't do what these other podcasts are doing. And, you know, I, I love, I think even within the Western industry, there's actually a lot more podcasts and stuff now. And I will never not promote the other ones because it may, you know, my podcast may not be what you want or what you need. And, and the other thing is, is, well, you can listen to multiple podcasts at once. So like, I'm not going to try to, you know, encourage you not to listen to my, I mean, some people may not like listening to my voice and I don't really care. Like, yeah, go listen to somebody else's and that's fine. Um, Netflix doesn't ask you to watch just one series. Like watch yeah. them all. It's fine. Yeah. Watch them all. And I think so when it comes down to it, like just be you and focus on what you're doing and what you can do in like the skills and the talents that you have. And, and that's going to be what sets you aside. You know, the, the people that I remember the most are the people that I, you know, I watch them as athletes, but I feel like I know them as people, <laughs> you know, the, uh, I, I really like my, one of my sponsored athletes is Koi Pool, but, you know, I really like following him because I also feel like I get to know the other side of his life and the leather work that he does or, uh, you know, et cetera. Like I get to see, I, I get to feel like I get to know these people um, on a more personal level. So if you can do anything for yourself, just be you and do the things that make you happy and whether or not they're cool yet, who knows, maybe you'll start a trend at some point. <laughs> I like that. Whether they're not, they're cool. yet. You're right. Yeah. Positivity helps me personally. Uh, I don't care what's happening in my life. I'm positive. I ain't letting nothing take my joy. You know what I mean? And for me, I, I, I use prayer and my Bible and stuff to keep me hooked up, but uh, you know, I ain't going to try to preach to anybody or anything. I'm just, that's what I do. And um, positivity like if it's my, my dad's, he's gone now, but he had a stroke one time. I found out like two hours before an event, oh, well, you still turn that off and you go do your thing and you show yourself that you're capable. Cause I couldn't do anything for him at the time. Right. right. I had to go be funny. Uh, and a little, little thing like that. I have a lot more stories that I won't tell him here. Uh, one day I'll, I'll let them all out, but like I've had some crazy things happen to me and I'm still, there's, I hope that no one ever knew that I was going through things. Right. Because right. positivity is supposed to shine through you. And, I mean, I guess you could tie all that together with uh, it, it's a positive thing that JB believed he could ride those bulls that he kept picking, and he just believed in himself that long, you know? So, um, yeah, po positivity. I guess attitude is maybe more of the word I'm looking for. Your attitude yeah. is what wins you prizes. Um, it, it has nothing to do with anything else. Your attitude can actually – go from your mind all the way to your physical, I think. Oh yeah. And that's what grows the sport too. And I think it is, it all comes full circle in the end. And, and like the reason I do this podcast is to help other athletes, but also help the sport and the industry as a whole. And so, you know, that's why that's why we talk about stuff like this is because I think if we ever want this sport to grow and if we want it to flourish and and you know there's always a potential for something to go wrong in a sense so rather than trying to focus on that side of things you know like what can we do right that's going to help us in the end and you know if you start thinking yourself as a part of something that's so much bigger than just yourself it's going to give you a different outlook on it. Mm -hmm. You nailed it.
All right. Well, we have just a few minutes left that we can do rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yes. I always do these at the end. Um, they're pretty random and all over the board. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I need to answer you as fast as I possibly can. Uh, you can generally, sometimes they get strung out. It's, it's more of a, I guess I should probably stop calling them rapid fire as much as like random fire. Maybe they should be called random. I'm, I'm going to answer fast as I possibly can. Okay. Let's see. Um, what is your favorite rodeo? <laughs> now I'm in a uh, rodeo. I want to go with uh, Nampa so far. Okay. Uh, favorite ice cream flavor? Uh, salted caramel. Uh, best song to dance to? Anything with my wife. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> um, oh, shoot. I had one and then I lost it. Uh, what? Um, this isn't going to be as much of a rapid fire question. Uh, I don't know if I can do this. Can I, can I ask you your favorite bull rider right now? Or is yeah, it in trouble for that? My favorite one? Yeah. Uh, right now? Yeah. Uh, my favorite, one of my all-time favorite bull riders, Cord McCoy. Okay. Because he smiled even when he got bucked off. That, that's a good reason. Yeah. I mean, like, we can talk about talent. And uh, Cord probably isn't on the top of that list. I'm not being mean. He's my friend, but... He probably tell you the same thing, but his his attitude was awesome. He got a lot of sponsors from it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is the last song that you downloaded? Oh, I got it on my phone here. I think it's um Bottle Rocket by the Weeks. I don't think I've heard that. Yeah, that one or um there's a might be a, a Turnpike Troubadour song. Yeah. I, th I thought I lost you. I opened my app on my phone. And, <laughs> I'm uh, still here. It's the Weeks. Uh, Bottle Rocket by the Weeks. Okay. What is... Uh... Oh, okay. This is... I might just go into this. <clears throat> if... <laughs> if tomorrow were to start, like, the zombie apocalypse... What would your, what would your job be after? So once the apocalypse began, what, what's my job? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like to think it would be, uh, uh, mustaches are, <laughs> I would be, uh, I would be in charge of the, uh, I would be in charge of, I think I would have a gun in my hand or a weapon. Cause I could, I'm not really as athletic as I picture myself, but I feel like I'd be slaying zombies left and right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the mustache. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> uh, ooh, how long are you keeping that mustache that you've got going on? Till December 3rd. I go home December 2nd. Oh. <laughs> I got to show it to my wife and then quit. Yeah. 
Yeah, she's I'm probably going to make you thin. While I'm in Australia, I'm going to grow a beard back around it, and then I'll just trim everything and have, like, a thin beard. It'll be back to normal. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, what three th- – or, okay, if you were stranded on a deserted island, what three things would you have with you? Um, Bible. I guess it, it, can I have an endless supply of clean water? Cause it, sure. is that our, is there water there or no? <laughs> I, I can't tell you. All I, all I know is it's just a deserted Island. I have the Bible. I have, um, I, I guess food and uh, a food supply and a water supply. But then like, what point is it just to live by myself? Okay, so if you had food and water, then what, what else would you choose? Uh, can I bring like one person? Sure. So I'll bring, I'll probably bring my wife along there. So the Bible, my wife, now we need something. We need a third thing. I don't know. I'd probably bring a fishing pole. I just that go sounds fishing like a vacation time. at this point. <laughs> yeah. Me and her, I'm, I'm fishing. We're reading the Bible. Sometimes we're just a perfect uh, family living on. Yeah. That'd be great. You could, you could hold out there for a while then. Yes. Yeah, me, her, the Bible, the fishing pole and this mustache. She'll make you shave that. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a razor. Too bad. You can find a rock. <laughs> we, we don't have a razor. I don't know if I'm bringing her now. <laughs> okay, last question. Uh, what, is, what is one thing a person needs to be happy? C- can you repeat the question? What is one thing a person needs to be happy? God good solid answer truth very true all right well that's about the end of my rapid fire questions um thank you again for coming on with us and uh really excited to see what you get into in the future here (laughs) yeah me too and uh you're headed to australia tomorrow right yeah, I leave. Uh, so uh, leave at seven p.m. tomorrow. About the time they're singing the anthem at the T-Mobile for round one of the PBR finals, I'll be headed to. Uh, I fly from from Vegas to LA, LA to Sydney, Sydney to Adelaide. I get there, so I leave Wednesday night. Get there on a Friday morning. Oh gosh! Do a Saturday performance in Adelaide, and then get on a flight at six a.m. Sunday morning, and go back to Townsville, which is in the very northeast corner. So I've got about uh, from from Wednesday till Friday morning. I have about thirty hours of continuous travel. Hmm. Yeah, that's but it's not cool. fun. <laughs> yeah, it's, you have a very cool job. I think people always see all the the fun side of things, but forget that there's a lot of a lot of downtime or airport time. Or <laughs> yeah, it's sometimes it's challenging, but at the same time. Um, you it's very rewarding so right price you have to pay mm-hmm. all right well thank you again matt i i really appreciate it <laughs> no no worries i enjoyed it thank you so much and go listen to matt's podcast too he's got roadcast that's right thanks yeah of course I'll put your plug in for you <laughs> you did good i appreciate you Thanks for listening to the Endorse Podcast. 
And as always, I want to say a huge thank you to Tris Monsick and the Innocents for letting us use Heart of a Fighter for our intro and our outro song. Guys, go check them out if you haven't done so already. Step inside the ring before you're letting down the guard. Bells are dangling as you're lying in her arms. Tonight's the night you're going to make her your own. Love her forever and from now on. She's got a heart of a fighter and she's falling for you. Head over heels for a broke down fool. Punch drunk, love struck in black and blue. She's got a heart of a fighter and she's falling for you. Got a heart of a fighter and she's falling for you.